awesome to see you. My name is Rod. If you're new here, I'm one of the pastors, and I love that you're here. We're going to have a great uh, experience in God's Word. I'm super excited about that. Everybody watching online, can we give it up for everybody watching online? Come on. Yeah, we love that you're here. We love that you're with us. We love that you're along for the ride, and we'd love it even more if you were here in person. But uh, hey, wherever you're from, uh, whoever invited you, we love that you're here. Our doors are always open wide. Uh, to you, wherever you're at in your spiritual journey, we're a church that, uh, that uh, is always embracing people that are unfamiliar with church, so we'd love to uh, you to be a part of the journey here. So one of the things that we're going to do is we're going to be opening uh, the scripture. We're in the book of Romans, and uh, we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. And so in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. But what we do on Sundays, if you're new, is we will read the Bible, and then we'll explain it. And then we'll apply it. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to read it, we're going to explain it, and then we're going to apply it. So if you want to bring a Bible, that would be awesome too. But the scriptures are going to be up on the screen here as we go through it. So I'm going to be referring to those throughout this morning. So if you are able to stand to your feet, I'd like to invite you to stand to your feet as we read through Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. I'll begin in verse 3, and then I'll ask you to read the next section and to read loud. Okay, read loud as you read. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I gave each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing different things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out, with as much faith as God has given you. And if your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If your gift is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. If you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. You may be seated. Father, thank you that we're here. Thank you for the students that are here. Thank you for uh, the young adults that are here. Thank you for the adults and the kids and uh, Lord, we're just so grateful to be here, so grateful to open your word and grateful to be able to hear from you. And may we recognize that these are the words of Almighty God, breathed by God for us today. I pray you'd open the eyes of our understanding, open our hearts, and may the Holy Spirit enlighten us to grasp the truth which is here. May it penetrate our hearts and transform us by its power. We ask this in Jesus' name, and everyone agreed, saying... So we're in part two now of Romans. Uh, last week, Matt Higgins did a great job uh, with the introduction of this passage. So this is the second installment of Romans chapter 12. So if you're new to church, I just want to say it's great that you're here. And it's great that you're here because you can see what it would look like if you became a Christ follower, what God wants to do in your life, the gifts that God wants to give us. And so it's a great time to be here. So I want to go back to chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, just to review really, really brief here. The chapter opens with Paul saying, therefore, in view of all that God has done for us, he says, I beg you, I urge you that you would give yourselves, your bodies, a living sacrifice. And so in other words, in what God has done in sending his son to rescue us and sending the Holy Spirit to awaken us and to bring us to faith in Christ. Now you have, in light of that, the mercies of God, which include that you have this right standing with God, that you have peace with God, that you've been given the Holy Spirit, 
since you've been adopted as the sons and daughters of God, that nothing can separate you from the love of God, that there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, that you have this everlasting hope, that you have the power of the resurrection. Again, you're indwelt by the Holy Spirit. In light of all that mercy, then give your body back to God. Like, it's the only reasonable thing to do. Anything other than that would be unreasonable not to give yourself to God in light of all that God has done and given for you. So after having said that, I'm going to change gears, going to shift a little bit. I want to talk about the practical outworking of you giving yourself to God. But before he gets into the gifts, he says, I need to talk to you a little bit about you and your tendency to be a little bit too full of you. Sometimes pride gets in there. Has it ever happened to you where maybe you're talking to someone or you're doing something and a thought comes into your mind and then afterwards you think about the thought and you thought, was I being proud there? Was I being proud of what I said or what I did? And the, the answer is, yeah, you were. If you're thinking it, you know that you were. Come on, somebody, don't look at me like you've never done that. So it says, therefore, we need to put this into practice. So the Apostle Paul speaking to the church there in Rome, a community, community of people just like we're gathered here, says this, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you a warning. Oh, what's the warning that's being given to us? Because there's a warning that's coming forth. Something that we really need to hear, the voice of God, a warning. So what he's saying is this. He's saying that there's a great temptation to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. What he's saying is, look, you need to maintain a humble heart or get a humble heart. You want to serve God. In other words, don't overestimate your own importance. Don't um, overvalue your view of yourself. Sometimes we sing the song, anybody have sung the song, kind of an oldie, but a great one, How Great Thou Art. By a show of hands, you've sung that song, How Great Thou Art. Well, what he's saying here is, stop singing How Great Thou Art with a mirror in your hand. <laughs> that was funny. I don't care what you think. That was funny. So, uh, so what he's saying that we, we can overestimate ourselves, in other words, because of who you know, maybe because of what you've done, maybe because of what you have, maybe because of your ties or your experiences or your background or where you live, all of those things, uh, maybe uh, the gifts that you have, to whom you were born, because of all those things, you can think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Like Paul wrote the church at Ephesus about being humble, and he said, Therefore I, Paul, the prisoner of the Lord, Ephesians 4, 1 and 2, walk worthy of a manner by which you've been called. And what does that look like? The very first thing he says is, with all humility. Like, that's it right there. Not partial humility, not a little bit, but all humility. So friends, here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line, and hear me. Pride is a much bigger deal than you realize. I'm telling you today, it's a bigger deal in your life than you realize. It is worse than you realize. It will under, here's why. It'll undermine absolutely everything in your life. It'll undermine your relationships. It'll undermine, undermine raising your kids. It'll undermine your marriage. It'll undermine your job. It will undermine your family. It'll undermine your church. It will undermine everything of your life there. So we're not aware of the damaging impact of pride. So your pride will undermine everything. It will ruin you. It will ruin your life. So what he's saying is, is this. He said, 
Being humble is central to uh, using the gifts of the Spirit that God we're going to talk about. So says, don't think you're better than you really are. Now notice, look at the word. Everybody look there. Think. That's the problem with pride. Because you think more than you are. It's all in your head here. It's mental. It's internal. It's a mindset that you have. There is the problem there. The emphasis on think. The problem is how I think about myself, how I view myself. Friends, it's a universal tendency here. In your thinking, what you do is you elevate yourself beyond what is real, beyond what is appropriate, okay? And you have an inflated view of yourself. So this is what he's talking about. How many people you think more highly of yourself? For some, you think more lowly of yourself than you ought to think. So what he's saying is the right estimate of yourself is a humble estimate. He says, look at the screen. Be honest. Be honest about it in your own evaluation of yourself. In other words, what's the realistic view of you? What's the sensible, sane, sound, sober view of you? See, pride is what we think there. And the thinking is, I have an inaccurate view of myself, an inaccurate view of my self-image. Pride then exaggerates who Rod Collins is to unforeseen levels. I don't no longer have an accurate view of myself. So this is what pride is. And the Bible teaches from cover to cover that there's no reason to be proud. We're going to talk more about this uh, and every reason to be humble. So because all of my giftings are from God because of God's grace here. And so it says here that in verse, uh, it says it, Faith in is a gift from God. I'm sorry. Measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given you. Not measuring yourselves against one another, but measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. So look at that. God has given you the faith, friends. Okay, so you did nothing to earn it. You don't deserve it. Uh, there's nothing that you could ever do to have the faith that is believing God, that is trusting God, that's leaning upon Him, constantly relying upon Him. All the faith, it's a gift from God, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. So now we're going to turn to verse 4. And I have to tell you, this is incredibly important. And so because the Bible outlines how the church is to function, how the church is to function, and really this should even change your view of how you view church, what we're going to talk about in the next couple of verses here. Because we hear about, oh, so-and-so's dysfunctional, the family's dysfunctional, the organization is dysfunctional, politics are dysfunctional, church is dysfunctional. We hear that word all the time. Well, this talks about how the church is to function in a healthy way. So using the analogy of a body, it says here, uh, just as our bodies, okay, that's our physical bodies, now talking about the church uh, in the next verse, but as many parts, and each part has a special function. So think about your body. You have an organ, the skin. I don't know if you knew that. The skin's considered an organ. You have your cardiovascular system. You got your heart. You got your lungs. Got your kidneys. Got your liver. Got your uh, muscular system. Got your nervous system. Got your blood system. Got your quadriceps. Got your gastrocnemius. Got the posterior belly of the digaster. Got your masseters. Got your deltoids. Got your sternocleidomastoid. Got all these muscles here. Okay, all part of you, all, all your body. Okay, and so what he's saying here is all these organs that you have, your muscles, everything that is seen here, but they all have a special function. So let me illustrate it this way. Let me illustrate it this way. When I was in high school, I was like a little guy. I'm like five foot five, 115 pounds, 17 pounds, dripping wet. 
So what happened is, lunchtime, my money would always get stolen because the bullies would come and want to steal my money. I'm getting mad about it, just thinking about it right now. I'm feeling it again. So what they would do, they wouldn't even say hi. Guys coming out, I could see them on the quad, at, right, I could picture it in my mind, here they come, track team guys, real fast runners. They walk up, they come up to me and they'd say, rabbit ears. You have to make rabbit ears. Those are rabbit ears, okay? Guess what happens when you do rabbit ears? Think you have any money in your pocket when you got rabbit ears? No, all the money comes out. So what does that mean when I do rabbit ears? No lunch, I skip lunch every day because these, these thugs, these jokers are taking my money. So I got smart, you know, I'm, I'm a little guy. I'm next to Mark Leffler. Mark Leffler went about 250, man-child, okay, a beast, beard in ninth grade, that's, that's Leffler. So I see him coming, I'm like, Leffler, take my money, okay? And then they go, rabbit ears, I do rabbit ears, and then nothing there, you know, and I'd be like, yes, and I'd get my money back, I'd be able to eat lunch. Well, then Leffler stopped, I don't know why, but Leffler, I don't happen to Leffler, and so then I'd see him coming again, and I was like, I like had it. I couldn't take it anymore, and I gotta do something. Well, here's how my body was working. My eyes saw trouble on its way, and then my brain says to my feet, you can run. <laughs> then my brain says, no, they can run faster because they're on the track team. And then my brain says, no, you are faster than a speeding bullet. So I thought, okay, I'm going to go with it. So it comes up, rabbit ears. I'm out of here. And I ran off and I took off. I'm telling you, God is my witness. I ran all the way to the perimeter of the school, ready to cross the street. And he couldn't catch me. And he never asked me for money again. But here's the point. The point is, is that my body, like this is talking about, is working together. Each part has a special function. My eyes seeing trouble coming. The synapses in my brain telling, look, get ready, get ready to run. My feet, my quads, my gastronomias, taking off, running, all working together. Friends, that's a picture of the church. Every part having a special function. My heart, which you can't even see, pumping the blood to get me going. I hope you enjoyed that illustration. <laughs> so each part has a special function. Watch. You have incredible worth. I'm telling you, if you're a Christ follower, you have incredible worth is what this saying. You have intrinsic value. And remember, this is how the church is to function. As a body, uh, interrelated to one another. So we all have different functions okay, that are significant. Now watch. A lot of the times the things in in church that are not visible are absolutely essential, significant, and important. Like your heart. How many people know your heart's kind of important, but you can't see it? How about your lungs? Kind of important. The, the kidneys, you can't live like long without your kidneys. Or your liver, very important. Stomach, all these things are very important, but you can't see them. A lot of times we think, oh, the visible parts of the body are the significant parts. Not really, not true. They're all significant. It says here, each part has a special function. So what is your part? Like, what is, what is your part? And so we're meant to have this interactive ministry role together. Each of us playing our part throughout your whole life. Throughout your whole life here. So your giftings then all have a special place, critically functional, for the benefit of the entire Body. I couldn't run away with the, from that guy, that joker, unless my whole body was working in sync together. Now, it's very easy in church world to let your, your gifts go dormant, to go dormant and to collect dust and kind of not have an awareness of the impact. 
And so Paul, then he writes to Timothy, like he's a pastor, right? He's a pastor and he's a gifted guy. Um, and so Paul says to him, hey, Timothy, Timothy, for this reason, I remind you to stir up the gift that is within you by the laying on of hands. In other words, here Timothy is like forgetting and the dormant, the gift is dormant within him. And he's like a pastor. And so what he's saying is this, is that God wants you to keep your gift alive. Sometimes you need to stir up the gift and kind of get it going and recognize how God has gifted you and rekindle the gift of God and keep ablaze the gift of God. And we have, sometimes we need to lay all our excuses aside, and I'm going to talk more about that. So verse 5 up on the screen, so it is with what? With our bodies, okay? With Christ's body. So now the analogy is going to, is no longer the physical body, now he's going to talk about Christ's body, that is the church, watch. We are many parts, one body, and we each belong to one another. Many parts, many parts. And so all the parts important, all the parts important, all interconnected here, one body with many individual members. Now he's going to unpack the seven gifts of the spirit of grace that were given. Watch verse six. And in his grace, God has given us God has given grace-based gifts to do something for him. God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So God, if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Watch. It says this. Watch, watch. In his grace, okay? In his grace, okay, that's God's unmerited favor. That means we did nothing to deserve it. Nothing to deserve it. Look at the screen. In his grace, God has given us. So their grace based gifts. I have nothing, you have nothing to deserve the gift that you've gotten. They're absolutely divine endowments. It's a God thing there. So you are to operate in your gift for the rest of your life. Each of us has been given a gift, a particular gift. Now what Paul's going to do is, on every single gift he gives, then he's going to talk about like, hey, I'm going to give you a tip. I'm going to give you some advice on how to use that gift. So not only does he give the gift, but he gives advice on how, just little short, pithy statements on how to use the gift. And so, but watch, God in his grace has given us gifts. That's another reason for humility, friends, because it's all God. You had nothing to do with it. So God then has put these gifts inside you as a result of his grace that we don't deserve. And so what is then, it says here, God gives us the grace in other words, God gives you everything that you need, the capacity, the enablement, the empowerment, the gift. God does it all. So then he begins to walk us through the gifts. So God has given us, that includes us, here today, these different seven gifts that we're going to talk about. Friends, like, there's no such thing as a non-gifted Christ follower. If you're a Christ follower you have divine endowments, divine gifts. So all of us have a gift. So as we're going through this, uh, and as uh, Pastor Matt did last week, I'd like to ask you to see, identify this gift. So now, what we're going to talk about is we're learning a new philosophy of church. What did he just say? We're learning a new philosophy of church. Okay, we're going to talk about that. And that is why you should operate in your gift. So this actually changes everything if we can grasp this and how we view church. 
Because it changes everything when you show up if you have a paradigm shift that you're actually gifted to do something. So now here's the reality. Here's the reality, friends. Would you agree with me? We live in a, in a consumer uh, culture. It's very consumer-driven, right? Completely consumer-driven. Would you agree with me that kind of like that sort of seeped into the church just a little bit? Like a little consumer-driven? It is. Yeah, so what does that look like? Well, church today, mostly how we view church is, uh, is something that we go to, that we can consume, that we watch, maybe we, we comment on, maybe we criticize, whatever. We, and it's pretty much Sunday morning, kind of the main thing there. And it's all about coming, all about listening, all about singing, and then you kind of go home. But here's what I want to say. Here's what I want to maybe enjoy it and tell your friends. But there's nothing wrong with that view, actually. There's nothing wrong with that. But watch, watch, watch. If we're all gifted, then the one teaching is only a fraction of the gifts that are being expressed, of the composite gifts being expressed. This, what I'm doing is one little gift in the community of all these other gifts. And so if you begin to get your mind around that, what it is saying then is that all of us are to exercise our gifts. So that changes really the way that I see church, the way that I actually do church. So what you have here is you have a real, divine, dynamic agenda that says everybody has gifts and everybody's used the gifts. Not only here, but tomorrow and midweek and small groups and personal interactions there. So it's a completely different way to think about church. And really, if you buy into the biblical principle, it would cause a paradigm shift of your thinking about church. And so in this passage, now we have seven gifts. And your job is to ask, is that my gift? Some of you, they might say, yep, that's me. Maybe, eh, I think that's 50%. Eh, 70, 30, 10. It might be a composite of a number of gifts and have a plurality of gifts here. And so here we go, look at verse six. It says, if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out. So there it is. If God's given you that, he's saying like, well, then do it. Like, like speak out, okay, according to you, you know, your faith, but speak out. And so what is prophecy? Prophecy is speaking what God has inspired. I mean, the scripture is prophecy, uh, inspired. And so, but simply God moving on the heart of a, of a man or a woman and giving his message to speak. It's not limited to church, not limited to church services. And so now prophecy says, according to faith, according to what God has given you, exercising the faith that God's given you to speak that out, consistent in the faith, rooted and grounded in the faith. And then he talks about serving. He says, if you're a gift of serving others, then serve them well. In other words, practical service. And so I really think that the unseen heroes of sanctuary roll with this gift. If you have this gift, to me, honestly, you're, like, you're the heroes. I'm not the hero. You're the heroes of the church. And so I'll tell you why. The gift of serving, not as visible. You don't get any pats on the back. And so, but it's most important, again, just like your organs that I talked about. And so uh, the assumption here, though, is that all of us have this gift to some degree. It's not like, okay, I don't have the gift of, of serving whatsoever, so I can only come up and observe and uh, and sit in the chair and I can't do anything else. No, all of us have this gift to some degree. It doesn't mean you have uh, like this over-the-top divine endowment with the gift. But what he's saying is if you, have this, if you have the gift, 
It's a, it's a do it mentality is what it is. So he's saying, go do it, do something. Don't again, don't let the gift lie dormant within you. Step out and put yourself out there. Watch, here's what it looks like. Look at the screen, everybody. You see a need, meet the need. That's what servants do. They see something and they do it. They don't even wait to be asked. I'm giving you like a green light. You don't have to be asked. What if I mess it up? You don't have to be asked. Okay, I'll cover you. I got your, I got your back. Just see a need, meet the need. If you don't know how to do it, that's okay. You can go for it. And so we're all learning here. And I think sometimes we under-spiritualize the immensity of the gift of serving here. Maybe you're greeting. Maybe you're helping. Maybe you're fixing meals. Maybe you're serving dinner. Maybe you're painting, whatever. Uh, maybe you're doing janitorial work, doing something behind the scenes. It is an immense, awesome gift here. So what is the gift of serving? Where God supernaturally then gives you the desire, stirs within you the desire, and then the ability to serve behind the scenes. But you're making everything function. Like this church, it doesn't function without this gift happening. So the point is this. If that's you, just start. Just jump in. Start helping. Don't wait to be asked. So um, I'm officially inviting, empowering, and asking you to operate in this gift if this is your gift. Just serve God somehow. And then he says, if you're a teacher, teach well. Well, what is teaching? Teaching then is to explain truth. Okay, maybe in a, a, well, maybe it's truth as other people have determined the truth in some environments, but in this in church, it's explaining the truth that God has put in the scriptures there, focusing on the Bible to communicate the truths of Christianity to communicate theology and doctrine and Christian teaching, to understand that. So not to confuse people, but to explain it with clarity that they can understand. And so we do this in Sunday school, age appropriate. We do it on Wednesday night on youth. We do it with the women on Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, we're doing it all week long. So, uh, so the gift then can come to expressions in different ways here. And if this is your gift, I'm encouraging you to use your gift. And so we want to develop teachers to do this. Now, verse 8. Look at the screens with me, because this one is really important. Everybody look, everybody look up at the screen there. What does the screen say? If your gift is what? What's it say? Courage. One more time. What's it say? Courage. Okay, some of your Bibles reads exhortation. If your gift is to encourage others, then be encouraging. Ha. Huh. So important is the gift that it, uh, the author of Hebrews said, chapter 12, verse 5, it says... Um, uh, as much as in you is, encourage one another daily. Like, you need this so much, I want you to do it daily. So here God is saying, look, I'm giving you the gift to encourage one another that you, you would do that. And so teaching is very informational, educational. Okay, but encouraging is not about that. I'm not, it's not like, I'm going to teach you about prayer. I'm not, I'm not gonna, no, exhortation, encouragement is, hey, you need to pray. For your husband, your wife, whatever you need, that's, a, that's encouragement there. So I'm inspiring you to do something with what you know. That's what we're talking about. And so it's the idea of inviting people to action. It's the idea of advising them, maybe comforting them, maybe lifting them up, maybe lighting a fire, coming alongside them there, stirring them up and helping them take a next step in the will of God. That's what it is. And so... God is encouraging us this morning to encourage one another. I wonder if we could do that. So lives are changed 
when people are encouraged. They receive hope to continue the journey. I think sometimes you may just say this is what it would look like. Hey, I really see that. Uh, do you mind, do you mind um, if I use you for an example, Anthony? I'm just going to show. So this is what it would look like here. This is what it would look like. This is actually, I'm not, actually this is real. Just stand up. Give it up for Anthony because he didn't know I was going to do this. So this is my friend Tony. This is Anthony. And he's an intern. He's awesome. But here's what it would look like. Like, I already know enough about him to know that he's gifted. Like a lot of his friends have told me all about him. So I know he's gifted. I know he's capable. He's doing youth and he's crushing. He's rocking it. So here's what it would look like. I would say, Tony, man, I love, I love how you're serving the students. Man, I hear you're crushing it. I know you're going to be a great youth worker, not only today, but in the future. Anthony, I see it in you, and I really, I really do. I see it in you, and I know God's got his hand on you. I'm encouraging him. I'm exhorting him. You see what I like? That's all, that's all there is to it. Thank you, Tony. Appreciate you, buddy. Right, so, so that's what it is. I mean, everybody can do that. Everybody can do that. You don't have to have a gift to do that. And so uh, this is what it looks like. It's comforting people maybe in times of trouble, infusing strength within them when they're feeling weak. And so we can't minimize this gift, the gift of encouraging or exhortation. I love the next one. If it's giving, give generously. In other words, we're all called to give. Notice it doesn't say an amount, but it tells how. I love that. There's no like tithe. No, give an amount. Doesn't do that. It says, here's how to do it. Now, interesting, I want to unpack to you kind of the original language. Okay, so show the next slide. Here's the original language, how this is written in Greek. It's written in Greek. So it says, to give, okay? But then he says, but there are those that, it puts meta in front of it, which means super, like supercharge, like supersize, you're giving. So there's, everybody's a give, but then there's some people God gives a gift of meta, meta, where then they super give. They give more, like, holy moly, they're give. Like, that's incredible. That's people that have a gift to super give there. And so they're uniquely gifted by God. You gotta realize, this is actually a gift, divine endowment that God gives people. So here's what they're like. They're unusually open-handed. Unusually. Uh, they're over and above, uh, beyond what you would think generous. And when they give, here's what, here's what they feel. It's like they're blessed. They're just blessed to give. They don't want anybody really to know about it. They just want to give there. So they go beyond the norm. And it gives them great pleasure when they give. So this super giving, what it does, it may see some needs, may see practical needs. I see a need there. And then they'll, they'll coordinate or even give the resources to have those needs met. And so they give. They, again, they don't want, it's like they don't want anybody to know. And so how do you know you have the gift? How could you could be sitting here today and have the gift and not even know it? Here's how you know. You have a sustained desire to be generous. It's within you to be generous, to give over and above. And, uh, and you alone could identify the gift. But then when you give and you get like just a joy, and a, it's an overwhelming joy, you probably have this gift. You probably are meta. And so let me, express, let me show you a couple ways this gift has happened. It happens all the time. But I want to show you a couple ways, visible ways. So years ago, we needed a truck. And so a friend, uh, a guy from the church invites me to go to his business to give us some furniture. Like, you need some furniture? I said, yeah. So I just showed up so on the moment. I show up at his business. I said, yeah, I can take that, um, that chair and we'll take that desk. And yeah, those chairs work and whatever. And I picked some things out. So I was just about done. He walks over to me and uh, there was a van out there 
And then there was a, a truck, this really beautiful truck. In fact, I'm doing the, I'm looking at things, I keep looking at the truck, that is a tricked out truck. It's a while ago, it's about an $80,000, $100,000 truck. And, um, and so he comes up to me and says, hey, do you, do, you, do you need a truck? I said, yeah, you mean the, like the van? I couldn't get my mind around it that the, that would even be an option. I said, you mean the van? He goes, no, the truck. I said, why are you trying to give away the truck? Why don't you give away the van? Because we don't need to give away the van. We need the van for our stuff that we do in the business, but we don't need the truck anymore. So I could, I could use that truck. I'll, I'll take the truck. And so I, I couldn't, it was like an out-of-body experience. I couldn't believe it. And so that truck right there, every time you drive up, we've had it for, it's, it's parked right out there. That was a gift. Like, we didn't pay a nickel for it. And so it's awesome. So, yeah. And so... I could keep you here for a long, long time. I'm just giving you a couple examples of the meta super giving that it comes to expression here. And so a while ago, we're like, man, dang, we don't, we don't have any place for youth at the ranch. Like, there's no place to put them. What are we going to do? We go, we'll get a bus. That's what we'll do. We'll get a bus. But we don't have money for a bus. It's not in the budget for a bus. But we're going to get a bus. And so we go, uh, uh, some guys looked at a bus, $40,000 bus. Can't afford, we don't 40 grand, like no line item. And so, let me see the next one. Here's the bus. That bus right there. Somebody called us up and said, hey, we want to do something for youth. I said, you, you could do something for youth. We need a bus. They bought, they got it for much, much less. They bought the bus. That's a gift. Okay. Now watch. I'm just getting warmed up. I'm just getting warmed up. Okay. Then somebody else comes and says, hey, you know what? We need to paint the bus. That's a $15,000 paint job, donated. Then the bus gets donated. Okay, then, it keeps, it's just amazing. Then, uh, then we need a floor. Somebody else calls, they don't even go to the church. I got a couple thousand dollars for something for youth. Let me know when you need it. Like, I need it right now. I'll take it right now. So I says, we need, we need to put a floor in. So watch, then we put a floor in the bus, because it was all mangled and messed up. Okay, and then... Then we get another donation. Every time I'm, I turn around, someone wants to donate to the bus. And so then we get another donation, two more donations. And so another donation, watch for lights. Watch this. Okay. Look how cool this bus is. Oh, no, wait, wait. Those seats there were donated too. Those were a donation. Those are very expensive. Those are donated. And then watch now. Watch. Look at the lights. Somebody donated that. That's last week. Super Bowl Sunday. They're putting them in. Okay. So now you walk inside. So there it is. We've got the... I mean, it's God, friends, but that's meta. That's super generous. All these people giving. So people walk by and go, man, the church spent a lot of money on a bus. We didn't spend a nickel on the bus. It's the whole thing. Everything you see donated in the bus, and we're not done. So it's awesome. Isn't it awesome? Give it up for God. Come on. But that's what it is. The gift there. People see it. They just, they just give to it. So the next verse, if God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. It says, lead with diligence. A lot of translations. So people that have the gift of leadership, they're diligent, friends. They're just diligent, like they get after it. Uh, they're the type of people that they, they just attack things with diligence. They, they plod to, they're relentless, they're dogged, they're faithful, but they just, there's a diligence about them. So of all the things he could say, he doesn't say lead with vision, lead with mercy. No, lead with diligence here. Leaders see a need, they involve other people, they move out. 
Uh, they figure out a way to get it done. They organize, they administrate, they, they, uh, uh, they're types of people that they cover all, they think through the details there, they mobilize people, they get them moving, they accomplish the job. Lead with diligence. So how we need this gift and how grateful I am for this gift. They can influence, they motivate there, they direct, they inspire, they get people to work harmoniously. This is what people with the gift of leadership do. And then he says, if you have a gift for showing kindness, the others watch, here's a, here's a directive, do it gladly. Look at that, do it gladly. Kindness means mercy, compassion, kindness, different ways it's translated. But watch, a lot of people, everybody should you know, have baseline mercy, but this is talking about people with, that see big needs, perhaps suffering, maybe the homeless, uh, and they show compassion and mercy to hurting people. But watch this, what it says, do it gladly. Don't do it like grumpy, like, can't believe I got to go to that person and help them out. Or I'd rather do anything this. No, they do it with joy. They do it gladly. That's how you know that you have the gift, that you're, you're happy and joyful to do it. Gives you joy there. And so uh, no complaining about I got to go work with the outcast. No, you, that, that's within you. God supernaturally drops that in your heart. So that's you would be about that your whole life. It's awesome. Spiritual gifts, friends. Now think about this. I, I'm going to conclude. Um, and so what's your first step? So I want to say this. Like you're, you're here and you're like, I have no idea. Like I'm totally clueless. I, I have no idea what my gift is. All you got to do is fill this out. Oh, there's these cards behind you. I will help you. We'll call you up. Uh, um, I may call you up. Pastor will call you up. We'll call you up and we'll help walk you through this and help you sort it out and help you figure it out. All you got to fill it out and put it in the, in the offering box there. And so I think sometimes, you know, we hear about unemployment in America. I wonder if there's a little unemployment going on, like in the church, local church, with people using their gifts. Like they got the gift, but it's not being employed. And so I just want to encourage you, if yours is dormant, to let that baby rip. So here's what you do. I conclude with this. Four things. Here's what you do. Number one is discover your gifts. Uh, as I mentioned, 1 Timothy 4.14 says, don't neglect, don't neglect the gift that's within you. So how do you discover your gift? Here's what you do. You got to examine, like, what are the gifts, okay? Maybe a little Bible study. Romans 12, Ephesians 4, 1 Corinthians 12. Do a little study. There's about 25, 30 gifts in there. Then you can evaluate them. Then you can, then what you do is you experiment, Come on, somebody, you experiment. Is there anything with experimenting? Like you've been experimenting your whole life when you played sports, like baseball, like let's try a third base, like with me. Try a third base. Nah, he's not a third baseman. Let's try him at second base. Nah, not a second baseman. Let's put him in the outfield. Yeah, that's, where, that's his position. You just try different spots. It's, it's okay. So you, you try different things. I've experimented in church. A lot of things didn't work out. So, and then you experiment. You've done this in life. That's how you, you find things in life, just by experimenting. How many of you figured out what you're good at in life by experimenting? And so try stuff. And then, so first of all, you do that. Then secondly, you dedicate your gift to God. Maybe you're hearing like you're sloughing off on your gift. You've been making excuses. You think, I need to, maybe your story is, I need to dedicate my gift to God, and my gift needs to be active in the church. And you kind of pull, it's very easy to have excuses, kind of push the excuses away. Oh, I'm too busy. Oh, I don't know if I'm good enough. Oh, I don't think they need anybody. We've got all the excuses. 
and we push those away. We say, I'm going to dedicate my gift to God. And then the next thing you do is you develop your gift. God gives you a gift, you develop it, you work at it, you exercise that gift there, so you get better at it by practicing your gift, like almost everything in life here. Maybe you study about it, and you learn about it, and you see how can you could do it uh, in, in, a, in a more developed way. So regardless of how long you, you've been um, in the journey, you can develop your gift. The Bible says this in 1 Peter 4, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Constantly be using them well to serve one another. And so then lastly, you just deploy your gift, okay? Deploy your gift. There it is. You've identified your gift. You've dedicated your gift. You, you want to develop it. Then just deploy your gift. How difficult is that? Where do I deploy my gift? Well, you could deploy it here, but not only here. Deploy it in community, uh, you, the faith community. You can deploy it. Uh, maybe it's in your work it'll come to expression. Maybe in your home. Maybe uh, in your relationships, maybe uh, whatever. Uh, there's so many places it could be deployed, but deploy your gift. So be encouraged, though, to find a place for the expression of your gift because God has given all of us a gift here. And I hope we would all have this shift in our thinking that the church actually is to be gift-driven and my gift needs to come to expression, changes everything. No longer am I a consumer or I'm just an attender. Now I'm a participator because I've got something to bring to the party. And there God has said it, made it very clear. So that's my encouragement to us. Friends, this, this is the inspired God-breathed word of God. All right? So continue to think about it. Stand to your feet. I'm going to pray, and the worship team is going to come up. Father, thank you for today. Thank you that we're here. Thank you for your word. What a light unto our feet. What a lamp unto our path, the path of the rest of our lives. A lamp unto our life. A lamp unto how we're to live. A light to how we're to function in the church and beyond expressing the gifts that you have divinely endowed us with. We say thank you. There is no one like you. You are a great and an awesome God, and we bless your holy name. In Jesus' name, amen. amen.